Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning to you. It is John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one this afternoon. While Bernie takes your calls and comments, you can call her 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. You can email this morning jp at c103.ie or indeed tweet at c103cork. Now ahead on this morning's programme, and this is making the front page of many of the papers, it's still concerns regarding the schools to go back fully in September and it's due to the lack of social distancing concerns and teachers unions and school managers uh, they say that extra staff will be needed in schools if they are able to reopen fully come September we're going to speak to the National Parents Council primary on this this morning as while parents want children to return to the schools many understand uh, the situation the schools are finding themselves when it comes into social distancing and also uh, when it comes into teachers who may be worried that they may catch the virus in the school they're going back to their families and also if you have a child going to school are you worried that they possibly could catch the virus in the school. Maybe not. I mean, we'll have to wait and see how things go over the summer. Many saying it's too early to ten at the moment. So we're doing well so far, uh, but could all that change? We'll have to wait and see. Anyhow, schools returning. Are you a parent and do you want your child to go back to school in September the way it was? Or would you rather things go maybe 50-50, some home learning and some school learning in some type of rotor system? Anyhow, your calls are welcome on that this morning. 1850-333-103 or indeed text of WhatsApp 0862103103 and a lot of concerns when I mentioned social distancing over the weekend about the lack of that because pictures coming from Dublin of people out on the streets in the Dame Street area of the capital and really no social distancing whatsoever going on there and could that have an impact for us all in a number of weeks to come and especially for tourism spots who at the moment are doing well Many hotels feel that people are going to stay cased and that hopefully we will see a boost to our tourism here in Cork and indeed across the country. But then there's also worries from people who feel uh, those who may not be taking this responsibly could bring the virus to their area. Anyhow, no evidence of that happening in Cork, by the way, over the weekends of uh, social distancing in any of the bars or in the streets that are open uh, for those who can sit outside on the streets, you know, where they had the tables uh, and whatnot along the streets. Some in the city are doing that already. 
and indeed on the footpaths all okay here but there was a concern out of Dublin at the weekend especially of all the hard work done by all of us over the last number of months your calls are welcome on that a few of those in I'll get to them shortly we're also going to hear about insurance companies and claims that can go out of hand going to hear one story uh, from a person a family member who basically just tipped off a van nothing majorly damage wise done Gardaí not called to the scene but just a few weeks later, they get a letter from their insurance company saying that the claim had been settled for a substantial amount. And the person who hit that particular van didn't know there was a claim in, in process even, not a mind the claim about to be made. Anyhow, an example of that, I'm sure maybe some of you listening might have had that happen to you over the years as well. And is that why we're all then paying higher insurance premiums if the insurance companies are just going to pay out and not even get your side of the story of what happens if there was a tiny t- tip on a roadway. We'll hear that particular insurance story this morning. Uh, if you have any of those, let us know as well. Text or WhatsApp 86 We're going to hear a call to have a national honour scheme for Ireland. And this is something that was discussed last week because when Dr Tony Houlihan came out and said he was going to step down uh, from his role for uh, a while to spend time with his family, many were saying, should we do something to honour the work he has done over the last three to four months and the wider conversation opened up, should we have some type of scheme in Ireland like they do in other countries to mark the work of someone who has done good in the community or across the country uh, for a number of years? So discussing that this morning with Manus O'Callaghan, who runs the Cork People of the Year Awards here in Cork and has experience in that. And a few calls into us across the weekend asking why is the swim- swimming pool in Formoy? Why does that remain closed? We got answers on why that is and when could it likely be to reopen? And also Annalisa Giselle, is she's along after 12.30 answering all your nutritional questions. If you have a question for Annalisa, get it into us now. Uh, to Bernie, 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Annalisa answering all your questions regarding health and nutrition after 12.30. Uh, but over the weekends, Fianna Fáil, of course, um, their first week in government. A lot of controversy following them for the first few weeks uh, of this particular government and will continue, uh, no doubt, uh, as all for a new government when they do uh, take their place in Leinster House. There's always a bit of controversy and it's happened twice for Fianna Fáil over the last uh, few days. Uh, first of all, it happened when the Agricultural Minister, Barry Cowan, he came under pressure to give a detailed account of what happens when he was stopped by a Garda for a drink driving. He also then faced questions on how at the age of 49, that he still managed to drive around without a full driving licence. Well, he did address those concerns. And in the response to the licence, he said last night that he uh, did sit a test and received his full permit after his driving ban. Uh, But there is more questions surrounding on, I suppose, why someone in that position would even think that it's okay to have a few points and then drive on the road back town to your where he's from in County Offaly uh, following him uh, having a few points. I mean there's so much talk in rural areas of drink driving and the effect that it's have, uh, had on, on rural pubs and everybody's obeying the rules and then when this comes out and you have a senior minister now who in the last number of years has flaunted those rules, questions are asked and it's a worrying when it comes to something as serious as drink driving and then 
On the other side, uh, we have the Fianna Fáil MEP for Ireland South here, Cork's own Billy Kelleher, who, who came home from Brussels for the Taoiseach's Michal Martin, the vote on him becoming Taoiseach. He should have quarantines, uh, but he ignored those rules and went along and voted uh, for Michal to become Taoiseach. Uh, because he ignored the HSE guidelines, questions now being asked, why did he not self-isolate for two weeks as others have when they've flown back into Ireland? And instead of quarantine, uh, the Cork MEP, he did attend a dull sitting that was held in the National Convention Centre before travelling to Leinster House. He mingled with colleagues in Leinster House and then he came from Dublin to Cork, to his home in Cork, and then flew back to Brussels. Now, we have tried to contact Billy Kelleher uh, yesterday evening to see what he would chat with us about that and why he decided that he thought it was OK to do that and ignore uh, the quarantine rules. Now, Billy didn't respond to any calls as yet. We did text him as well and WhatsApp him, but uh, nothing back from him as yet. He might come back to us, uh, but he did issue us a statement anyhow, to say the least, on what he did. And it reads that last Saturday, as he attended the election of the new Taoiseach in Dublin, having arrived into Ireland from Brussels the day before, he said he did avail of COVID-19 testing services before and in advance of departing Brussels in order to reduce any potential public health risk. He goes on to say that, however, despite this, I accept that the risk could not have been eliminated fully and I should have followed HSE advice and remained at home. This was an error of judgment on my part and I apologise unreservedly that statement this morning coming in to us from Billy Kelleher the Fianna Fáil MEP for Ireland South and while we hear and, and as it's discussed there people have concerns of what has come out from Dublin over the weekends we have a number of uh, deputies this morning including the former Health Minister Simon Harris who says we've got this far so asking everybody if you are in a bar or outside a bar to please ensure the social distancing rules a lot of TDs coming up this morning supporting him on that but on your foreign holidays people cannot get well, some are now hopefully going to get their money back but so far a lot of people not able to get their money back from either airlines or holiday companies and many feel okay we could go still on a foreign holiday if we wanted, even though you're not, you're, the advice is, unless it's essential, do not travel. Well, the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, has said that targeted testing at airports will be used now to prevent new cases of COVID-19 being imported into Ireland. Uh, the, he, the reason they're doing this, he said, they do not want an avalanche of travel in and out of this particular country, which I'm sure a lot of people do welcome because that will hopefully won't see an increase in the virus if people are coming into this country with testing uh, they can be told either I don't know do they quarantine them or told go home not too sure what happens in that situation anyhow the cabinet is meeting today but remember those uh, guidelines on the uh, green list of countries that were planned to uh, share an air bridge with uh, that was supposed to come out at the latter part of this week that won't be happening now until July 20th and basically meaning that if people were going to travel nonetheless well you wouldn't be doing anything now until after July 20th if you were thinking of going abroad uh, no details will be released until after the, after that particular date when it comes to the uh, air bridges they've been speaking about over the last week and uh, moving from air bridges to something else in connection with people who may be now going back into the hospitals having a procedure done so much was cancelled of course over the last number of months because of Covid 
But if you are thinking of or you are getting booked in for a procedure that you were maybe due to have in January or February, there might be a, a small enough procedure. But patients using some of the private hospitals now are going to face fees of up to €250 Euros for COVID-19 testing before they can undergo a procedure. This basically is to identify in case the person coming into the hospital and going for that particular operation may indeed have the virus and unknown to them they have it. Uh, but... You might think, well, the insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. The three main insurers, VHI, Leia and Irish Life, are not currently covering this particular fee. And the Private Hospitals Association, when they were asked about this, they said, well, look, we're just carrying out uh, this particular response to deal with the public health guidelines. And they're issued, of course, by the National Public Health Emergency Team. So they're following guidelines and they're saying any additional costs incurred by private patients under these measures that they should be absorbed by health insurance. Uh, the health insurers aren't saying that. So it looks like at this stage, if you are going to have a procedure, just bear that in mind and maybe ring your hospital in advance. Uh, this mainly for private hospitals that they are going to charge you a fee of up to anything between €75 Euros and €250 Euros for a COVID-19 test before you can undergo the procedure on that. Uh, we might touch base uh, on that tomorrow with Dermot Good, who deals a lot with health insurance queries on will they actually go ahead and uh, cover this in the future. And finally, a lot of uh, parishes were getting creative across the weekend. Of course, a lot of churches did not open because the parish priest felt, how do you stop 50, like if you're supposed to have just 50 people in a big church, how do you just let 50 in and turn other people away? So what the majority did, not everywhere, but in some places, they held driving masses. So basically you drove into a, a GEA car park or a church car park and the mass was broadcast out maybe on speakers or whatnot. And that's how people got their mass at this weekend. It also involved some places uh, setting up prospect communion boxes. So maybe uh, you went along to your service or mass at the weekend. If you did, let us know. 1850-333-103. A lot more too uh, happening across the weekend. I'll get to your calls and comments uh, shortly on those. And you can keep your texts and WhatsApp coming as well to 0862-103-103. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. And on the issue of social distancing across the weekend. Liam from Yole, uh, he was at Ardmore Beach at the weekend. He said it was busy, but what he noticed, while most people were trying to social distance, the majority were not, and no one, he said, was adhering to sanitising or anything, which was quite worrying. Uh, but on those pictures coming up from Dublin, Michael in Castletambert on WhatsApp says, the reckless carry-on of drinking in the bars and the streets over the weekend could not have been more damaging at this time to our public health and to bars that are due to open later this month which could now be put in jeopardy and the untold damage to the good image of Ireland all over. It was shameful and disgusting. It now casts a dark cloud over socialising in this country. I would like to call again on the Minister to lower the VAT rate on alcohol sales to 10% and increase of sales that's off licence sales to 30% in an attempt to curtail home or street drinking. Furthermore, new laws need to be drafted to make it more difficult to obtain a seven-day licence in court. And Michael goes on to say, not just a solicitor applying for a blanket of renewals without a judge ever seeing the character or knowing that he or she was a fit person to execute the very serious position of selling liquor to customers for consumption. Any credible doctor will not prescribe a drug 
without seeing the patient and alcohol is a very serious drug says Michael in Castletown Bear on text and WhatsApp 0862103103 and on text and regarding uh, Brian Cowan and drink driving uh, on this a person says Michal Martin says Barry Cowan should have told him of his record before he made him minister I don't agree I think it was all well timed and now we are left with a minister warts and all but we all aren't fools says that particular text and more of your comments to come but on the way next schools and uh, do you think they should return fully in September are you happy uh, with your child going back to school in September as the teacher councils and the teacher unions uh, they say they need extra staff uh, for the schools to open in full in September we'll discuss that next Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 now, according to a questionnaire conducted by the National Parents Council Primary Section, it's an overwhelming look and the majority of parents want their children fully back to school by the autumn. Now, joining me from the Parents Council is Anya Lynch. Good morning to you, Anya. Good morning. Anya, you were in the committee last week when this was being discussed and this morning there's still concerns from teaching unions who say that they will need extra staff in schools to reopen fully next September. Uh, but on your particular questionnaire and looking into that, parents are worried that their children could lose out further if they don't go back to education this September. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main concern that parents are telling us is that they feel that their children's social and emotional health has been affected by this long school closure. And also, I think, for some parents, they feel that their, their own child's particular needs have affected that even greater. So particularly children who've got special education needs, children who may have um, be experiencing certain levels of disadvantage in the home, um, and children particularly who are transitioning maybe from primary to post-primary. So as all parents have concerns for their children, I suppose, um, absence from school. Some parents have greater concerns than others as well. Yeah, and you mentioned there the emotional side of it. The big thing that we've heard from parents just leaving the education aside for one moment is they are missing their peers. And if you're lucky enough to live near their friends, that might be okay. With social distancing, they might be able to see them every now and again. Uh, But for many, they are not and they're missing that connection. And there's a fear that that connection from human beings in the classroom uh, could have an impact on them later in life. Yeah, and I, I think children are missing the structure of school. They're missing the connectedness with school um, and, and also the connectedness with teachers as well. But but their peers is, is hugely important to them. And I, there's, a, there's a big difference, I think, from occasional meeting up to going into school every day and learning and, and playing with your friends in school. So I think children are really missing that structure. And in our survey, a number of parents identified that... Um, that their children are already feeling anxious about returning to school as well. So, so although children and, and parents want their children to get back, we also need to, uh, I suppose, recognise that for some children there will be anxiety related to that return to school as well and we need to support both children and families too. Yeah, and what do you make this morning then, teacher unions, they are worried, they're saying they need extra staff and they are expressing concerns about the one metre distance uh, that will be acceptable for older children. You can see, I presume, from the union's point of view, any of the teachers who are concerned that you know they, they could pick up the virus maybe in the school, bring it back to their families. And that's where they're looking at maybe having schools 
opened in a different scenario, maybe one or two days a week, half days, or even looking at the 50-50 measure of, of the school attendance and then also online learning. All of this needs to be discussed. And there's a long summer there. No one knows what's going to happen with the whole COVID situation. Uh, but would you welcome more talks with the unions and trying to battle something out and see what will happen? Yeah, well, I, I mean, we obviously cover the primary element of school. So I think uh, I think post-primary may ha- have more difficult issues around timetabling and, and, and mm. moving around. But I think at primary, we really have to focus on getting all the children back in the classroom. If that will require substitute teachers and more teachers, then, then we need to look at that because obviously there will be um, occasions where teachers may be out sick or maybe um, quarantining or, or, or because of symptoms. So I think we do need to look at how that's going to be managed. But we've certainly heard from parents that um, see blended learning as well might might be more successful at a post-primary level where students are more independent learners. Mm. But we've certainly heard from parents that at primary level, really the blended learning isn't happening. So it, it, it's more that, it, it, that if schools go back um, and a blended learning approach at primary, that it's really a short, a short week for, for children rather than blended learning, that the motivation of children to learn at home, the ability to learn individually and independently is much diminished for younger children. So it, I, I think going back in a blended situation will really impact children and, and again, will impact some children more than others. I mean, we know that some children, when they left school at the end of March, um, really that's when their education stopped for them because of particular issues in the home or, or because of lack of um, connectivity. But, but sometimes it's just a motivational um, difficulty within the home. Multiple children, different devices, having di- different um, learning needs all impacted some children's ability to learn remotely from home. So I think particularly at primary level, talking about blended learning, we need to be really careful that we know what we mean when we're saying that. Because it's the parents who could be picking up a lot of the, the work or the extra work to try and motivate their child to actually do the work. And the parent is also then having their own work with their own workplace. And a lot of workplaces are going back now to the actual offices. So that's going to be another nightmare for some parents if there is a change to what they're talking about going back to school. Uh, regarding class sizes, how will that work when some teachers are telling us that simply with all these different measures people are speaking about and and the way schools should go back, some classrooms just cannot cope before any COVID virus came? Is that a concern with some parents, the fact that their child will be in a very busy classroom? As some schools say, they just simply cannot social distance. They don't have the room. They never had and they still don't. Yeah, well, I mean, there is some flexibility in the, in the primary sector around the social distancing. So for the first four classes, no social distancing is required at all. And, and for the rest of primary school, um, one metre, um, if possible, is required. So I think what we need to do is take the advice that we've had from, from the HSE and from, from the health advice that we've got. And as educational stakeholders with the department, look at the guidance then from that advice that will be developed for individual schools to work out how it will operate within their school setting. Because I think at a national level, we need clear guidance from the department, but it will look very differently in the different schools. And for parents now who are looking ahead to September, I have one caller here, Margaret. She's nervous because she is she must buy a school uniform. But her fear is no one knows what's going to happen over the next few months. Everything could be fine. There could be a spike. It could change everything on what we're discussing now. She's wondering, is it a waste of money to invest in a school uniform at this time? And what should parents be considering for the moment? Should you kind of go as if things will return to normal for primary school students? Or would you be educating parents or, or 
are saying to parents just be careful and uh, and see how things go over the next few months well I know, the, the, one of the difficulties is we don't know what's mm. going to happen with the virus but I think all the indications of the last number of months is that it seems to be under control within, within Ireland at this point but nobody has um, can look into the future and say what things are going to be like in August, September but certainly from the perspective of the Department of Education um, the government and from stakeholders at primary level we're all trying to plan to get children back fully into primary schools in, in, in the new school year uh, when you mentioned earlier regarding special needs and, and children with special needs, there seems to be a, a group in society um, that has been forgotten about within the school sector and especially bigger campuses that deal with that alone. Uh, there's nothing has come out officially yet on what will happen with that side of, of the education system. Well, we do have some provision over the summer now for, for children uh, that, that have special education needs. Um, and we also have some provision for children who are from disadvantaged areas as well. But I think, you know, one of the things that we need to, to look at when the new school year um, starts is that there's children that may have left school in March um, with no identified needs. But this school closure will have brought up many issues for, for, for different families. Um, I mean, we, we have children who are in very overcrowded families with children who've got special education needs. We've got children whose family might have experienced bereavement because of COVID. So all of these Existing needs and new needs will be going back into the school situation. So I think it's really important that we have all the available um, support in terms of uh, therapeutic support at at hand for schools to, um, I suppose, utilise as well when they return, because nobody's really quite sure what children will be bringing back with them into the school situation when they come back. Yeah, and on that uh, a final note, parents overall, I mean, are they nervous about their children returning back to school? And if things are going to go back, and for example, as we look at things now, uh, schools could be going back in full in September. The government seemingly and senior members of the government are, are saying they will, they want them to go back uh, and they want things to return to normal for the primary school sector anyway, at least. Uh, but are parents nervous that they come back to you and said that there's a, a tiny bit of nervousness from parents that, as you mentioned, their children may be going back or may pick up something? when schools return? Yeah, look, I mean, I think parents, what parents are doing generally is they're balancing risk and parents do that it's way before COVID, but they're, they're always balancing risk. And I think at the moment, whilst they're saying, look, they, they feel there's a greater risk of their children not returning to school, hmm. it's not saying there's no risk with them going to school. So I think one of the things that's really important in terms of the return to school is that the schools plan that return with, in consultation with parents, whether it's through the parents' association, whether it's through surveying the parents. But the more that it, it, it's a partnership approach to planning the reopening of schools, I think then parents will feel more secure about their children returning and children themselves will feel more secure. When parents are anxious about those things, it often um, kind of knocks onto the children's anxiety as well. So I think that partnership approach to the reopening of schools is really important at an individual school level and at a national level. So we as a National Parents Council are involved in the in the national planning, but I think it's really important that schools do that locally as well, particularly around things like dropping children off, collecting children, you know, those kind of things. And parents knowing what's going to happen around lunchtime and break time because they'll be reassuring their children a lot of the time in the home. So the more information they have, um, the easier it will be. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, overall, from the calls and texts this morning, people do want the schools to return and, and even those, uh, the children that have been, uh, that the parents have been speaking to this morning to us are saying they wish to return to school. I suppose, as you said, we'll have to wait and see what happens now over the next few months as measures are put in place. So for the moment, Anya, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank I know Delsh will be touching base again before uh, September. That is Annie Lynch there from the National Parents Council Primary on uh, the schools returning in September, your views are welcome on that. Unions still have issues and say extra staff would be needed. A majority of parents are saying, well, if that is the case, get those substitute teachers in and do what can be necessary done. Uh, to get the schools back opened in September. Your views are welcome. Uh, you know your own situation at home. Do your children want to return? Do you want them to go back? Are you happy with them to go back? Because the majority are. And it seems that the senior sources and governments want schools to return as soon as possible. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On that, earlier this morning, the journalist Brenda Power, uh, she's claiming that teacher unions have defined teaching as a non-essential service, though, because she made those claims and after the union said a full reopening in September is not possible and that was on the substitute issue that we we mentioned there and about the fact that they need more resources and they need more staff in the schools to ensure that everything runs smoothly but Brenda Power believes teachers' pockets should be emptied if the unions obstruct schools' reopenings in September. Here is what she had to say earlier this morning. They should have been agitating from last April and May like the hairdressers, like the pubs, like the restaurants, like the shops. When are we going to reopen? Again, I know teachers who are saying we need to open in June. We need a dry run. We need to see how this is going to work. No way. The union said absolutely not. Well, has she a point? 1850-333-103. Lines open. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 now, last Friday on the show, when we were discussing Dr. Tony Houlihan stepping aside as the chief medical officer due to his wife moving to palliative care due to cancer, a huge number of people said that Dr. Tony should be honoured in some way to thank him for all the work he has done since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, only last week, Manus O'Callaghan, the founder of the Cork Person of the Year Awards, had called for a national honour scheme to be set up in this country. And Manus joins me now this morning. Good morning to you, Manus. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And this is something that was mentioned a lot on the show last Friday. And something like this to honour, for example, Dr. Tony Houlihan uh, would be... Because in other countries they have this, in England and in Australia, they have some type of award system, but we don't have it here. And it is something that could be... uh, and bring a lot of benefit and positivity to the country at a time like this. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I've been saying now for some time, I felt we should have a government-backed National Honours Award Scheme. As you said, like most countries around the world have it, because, uh, you know, talking about uh, Dr. Tony Houlihan, Ireland's greatest asset has always been its people, and we should celebrate and honour our greatest citizens, both in Ireland and around the world. And here's a man that props up now, Tony Houlihan, um, and it's very much come at the hour, come at the man, we put our trust in this calm, reassuring, dignified man, didn't we? He told us to social distance, we did. He told us to wash our hands, we did. He told us to cocoon, we did. And we did because we trusted him. Now, who would have thought uh, at the start of the year that a civil servant from the Department of Health would be the most trusted man in Ireland? But there you go. And we'd love, all of us would love to give the highest award in the land, but we don't have such an award scheme. And that's why I uh, 
raise the subject. And you were right, our asset is our people in this country. Mm. And so many Irish people have been honoured in other countries across the world, yeah. uh, particularly in the UK, I suppose, our nearest neighbour, yes. we have seen that. But yeah. yet we don't have that here outside of awards like your own. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem about other countries uh, rewarding our, our, our national heroes. No problem at all. I'm proud of it. But why don't we do it ourselves as well? I mean, as you say, people, uh, Mary Robson got the US Presidential Medal of Freedom. Peter Sutherland got the French Medal of Honour. The English have sent guns or awards across the Irish Sea for a long time to people like, you know, Bob Geldof, Seamus Heaney, Terry Wogan. There's hundreds on that list, really. And... Uh, all I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's um, why don't, I mean, it's a great way of marketing Ireland as well abroad if you show, if you, if you do it through your brightest and best. True, yeah, and, and it can be used to showcase what we have here in this country and, yes. and showed abroad that this particular person has been honoured because of what he or she has done. Uh, so it would work well for us to, while other countries are actually, you know, looking at our Irish people in their country and honouring them, yes. uh, and we're yes. not, it, it would be something uh, to, to look for here. How would it work then when you say a government back scheme? And would it, would it be the state would have to really get involved and get behind this? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think firstly to, to be to, to be a national award scheme would have to be government backed, and um, it would have to be accepted by all parties in the doll uh, to be our official award scheme. Also, I think um, it would have the government would then have to set up some independent commission who would recommend people for the honours, and the general public should have a role to play in that too. Maybe either by nominating people or by being represented on this independent commission. It would have to be very transparent. You may remember in the UK some years ago, there was a cash for honour scandal mm. where people got peerages by, for party political donations. So we've got to be careful about that, to do it properly. Uh, but I would, I would envisage an Irish honour system would be very different from other countries and be very Irish in nature. I mean, first thing we'd have to find, we'd have to come up with what is the name of this award scheme? And in fact, your listeners might be able to suggest a name for such an award scheme. Some years ago, you know, back in, well, a long time ago, about 100 years ago, uh, around the 1900s, we had an award scheme that the English set up, that the Lord Lieutenant set up at the time. He called it the Order of St. Patrick. And he gave out awards called the Knights of St. Patrick. Now, that was knocked, that was killed off in 1922. We got our independence. And I wouldn't bring that particular war scheme or that name back either. But um, it would be great to have um, all finding an, an, a name for them. And they wouldn't be great every year waiting for who's going to get the honours this year. I'm sure you would be in the running yourself. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know about you know, that now. Like <laughs> there could be somebody a lot bigger than me. <laughs> but I mean when you say about the government running it then surely they would need inputs from the likes of yourselves and others who run this on a county level I know you run the, the Corp Person of the Year Awards yeah. here and there's others yeah. in different parts of the country would you welcome then if that was to go ahead that you would have some type of input on how they should be run well not particularly I mean I don't know why I'm pushing this thing because it would actually diminish, diminish my own <laughs> award scheme which is the Cork Crescent of the Month and the Cork Crescent Year Award Scheme because then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be have such good profile my awards because you have this national award scheme but that's but I'm, I'm pushing it because it's the right thing to do no I think it would be it would have to get it would have to be properly set up by the government they would set up uh, a commission to do it and uh, and it would have to get complete support it would have to be very transparent and very well done and uh I mean, people have tried to do this before. I mean, uh, the prime. I mean, I remember. I think it was that thing I mentioned there about the Order of Saint Patrick. 
they tr- Sean Lamass, when he was a Taoiseach in Ireland many years ago, back in the 1960s, he tried to revive that particular war scheme, but it didn't happen anyway. And I, I know other politicians over the last 20 years have, have raised it in the doll and said, we should have a national award scheme. And people debated it, and there was no one against it, but it didn't happen. Now, I believe this new government are having a number of referendums this coming year or two. And wouldn't it be a good idea to put a question into one of those referendums to see if the people of Ireland would want such a scheme? Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good point. No, no problem. So that, that could be a way of getting it off the ground as well. And finally, Manus, uh, with your own award scheme this year, that they are continuing. I, I see you still with social distancing uh, going on with the awards this year. Uh, how is it going for you this year, considering everything that has happened? It, probably in a way you might have a lot more to choose from because of so much work being done across the communities. Yeah, indeed. I mean, our, our, our current person of the month uh, winner is a nurse from the CUH and that, that backs into the whole COVID-19 because she's working on, on that on that. On that. Uh, no, it's going well. This is the 27th year of the award scheme, and um, it's uh, it's as popular as ever. And uh, you know, I come from an Ireland. I'm I'm a certain age. I come from an Ireland which was all about spare the rod and spoil the child, and that annoyed me growing up. And I wanted some scheme to say to people in Ireland, "Well done, clap on the back." And that's what I'm doing here in in our person the month awards. And I love discovering people who are beho- be below the radar, who never get publicity, but doing some good work and we can profile them and get them support then from other people and that type, that type of thing. So, you know, um, in the last three or four years, I've introduced another element to our Cork Awards. We call it an honorary Cork person. Uh, that's some person, that's some, someone, some man or woman from outside Cork who we make an honorary Cork person because we can't take very higher award to get anyone to make to a Cork person. But I mean, the point of that is that because we have no national award scheme, People like me have to do things like that, as it were. So anyway, um, yeah, our awards are going on with social distancing now. Uh, we have to do it remotely a little bit, but there is no problem and there's no trouble in doing that. So, uh, well, so we'll, we'll see are. what happens if your awards, they might go national on, on a national government scale, Manus. We'll have to wait and see uh, well, what happens if they decide yeah. to run with this. For the moment, though, thanks for joining us, Manus. It's a great idea and we'll see what happens thanks. over the next year if, if someone will run with this on a national level. Uh, that's Manus O'Callaghan there, who's the founder of the Cork Person of the Year Awards. And would you like to see a national honour scheme here for Ireland? And we mentioned Dr Tony Hoolan. Who would you like to see get it? Who would you think uh, should be honoured in this country? Let us know. 1850 103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Who would you honour if we were to have a national honour scheme in Ireland? Good morning to you, John Paul McNamara, in for Patricia Messenger with you until one. And Bernie takes your calls and comments 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And hello to Anna on text. She's having a problem with scam calls and she's wondering how can I stop scam calls coming to me from Spain? It will ring once and then no more but then it could ring again and it's that uh, scam calls that are going around affecting everybody at the moment they come around from time to time on that I presume it's on a mobile you're receiving these and and depending on your mobile phone or mobile device uh, there is a way in the context to just if you just hold your hand on that particular number depending again on the phone it should come up with an option to block that number so you can do it that way the only thing is with these numbers, a lot of them with these scam artists, they're computer generated. So while that could be one number you're getting today, you could get a different number 
the last digit could be changed so they could ring again and you could be blocking every type of number but you can block them uh, if it's on a landline then it can be your phone provider uh, has a service depending who you're with for your landline and they can block the number for you if you contact them uh, but on your mobile uh, depending on, on your handset you can block them uh, but again they change the numbers daily and while you think that's the same number ringing you it can get a similar number ringing you uh, in an hour's time or the next day and the final digit the last digit could be different and therefore you will receive the call again so just be careful of that while you think you might have stopped the scammers they will ring you on a different number with just one digit change somewhere along that number and you could get caught that way so be aware of that and also speaking earlier about how some patients especially if you're going for a procedure or an operation in a private hospital you could be facing a fee of €250 before you ever go in for the operation and that is a COVID-19 testing fee uh, because they need to test you before you, you have your procedure. Uh, but because of that, some of the insurance companies, for the moment anyway, they're saying they're not going to cover the fee. Uh, so the likes of VHI, Leia and Irish Life, they're currently not covering that. So you pick up the tab for that particular fee. Uh, but a texter here is saying, is the medical card covering the COVID-19 test before surgery? So I presume if you're on a medical card and because the private hospitals are going back to the way they were running before uh, COVID-19 hit, uh, if you are going for surgery, presumably if you're using a medical card you'll be going to one of the public hospitals so that won't affect you this really is only for private hospitals where people are going in for a procedure and the private health insurance is paying all or some of that particular uh, cost of the procedure the fee though for COVID-19 testing privately they're not going to cover and that is only uh, for if you were going for an operation in a private hospital under your private health insurance so uh, that would be a separate issue altogether and regarding the schools and the schools which the teaching unions again this morning have concerns about schools reopening in September. Uh, the uh, school managers and school unions are saying that they will need extra staff uh, and there is concerns again around social distancing within schools and we know so many classrooms here in this country aren't as big as classrooms in other countries so there's a lot uh, the teachers unions have concerns about while uh, the education minister and indeed senior members of governments are saying they want schools to go back in September or late August. Well on that a texter here is saying as regards these schools uh, this person feels all children should be back and should go back to a one metre distance rule Uh, therefore uh, you can't differentiate between the fact you'd have juniors to second class and third to sixth class because children in schools will often have brothers or sisters in a higher class and if one child gets the virus it will spread so treat them all the same it sounds like it doesn't matter about the younger children Uh, the teachers or the SNA contact would be much closer and younger children are not as aware when it comes to coughing or sneezing or even using uh, tissues for example Uh, this uh, person is a staff member member in a school and she goes or he or she says I always apply uh, the tissues to children so she goes it's to do with respect and care and she hopes the unions and the departments can work this one out before September we'll have to wait and see what happens so much to discuss and again it just depends on what's going to happen over the next number of months as well uh, regarding the school still uh, Texa here is saying kids aren't social distancing now the amount of children I have seen gathered together is madness so send them back to school Alison saying I agree 
agree with uh, Brenda Power, the journalist, on her views uh, that you mentioned earlier. If schools don't go back now in September, surely they cannot keep paying the education sector. Where would the money keep coming from if they're paying uh, principals and teachers and yet they're working from home? Uh, when it comes to primary schools, they need to be going back uh, as soon as they can, uh, feels Alison. She feels it's wrong that teachers are not in the schools yet getting paid. That's Alison's view, by the way, on that. And another text here is saying, I don't think the schools were the cause of the virus. They were closed when the virus was brought into this country uh, via decisions by Minister Coveney. And that was not closing the air or seaports. That's where it all started from. Yeah, I don't think anybody was saying that the schools were the cause of the virus. But uh, from the parents' point of view and the survey and the... Uh, National Parents Council, what they were hearing from parents, the concern was that uh, children weren't uh, mingling and interacting with their peers, so they were missing that. But also uh, there was a fear uh, that they may not go back and the pressure then that that is put on parents if the schools remain either closed or there's some type of online learning system there. So that was the main fear from the parents, along with the fact that uh, could a child pick up the virus bring the virus home to the family. Uh, There's a lot of concerns from both teachers and parents when it comes to reopening schools. Uh, I don't think anybody was saying the virus started in a school, but the concerns are that a child could pick up the virus by going back to school. And we all know that when it goes to September and teachers will be the first to say this that you know the, the viruses of all types will be uh, spread by colds and flus and that type of thing in a classroom situation and that's where the concern also lies with parents there's just, just a fear there but again anything uh, what's decided over the next few months that could all change no one knows this kind of thing is a, a, a thing that is changing by the day and Tim here says the wisest comment that was made by a listener to Patricia about two weeks ago was teachers never agreed to anything but a pay increase, says Tim on text to 0862103103. Some of your calls and comments there in relation uh, to people's views on schools reopening. And I'm very aware that schools now would be or are on uh, holidays. So there's teachers listening who have concerns and d- d- disagree with what uh, people are saying regarding teachers this morning. And the comments coming in, I'd uh, like to hear your views there as well and how it is practical because speaking to teachers, the one fear they have is uh, when there's mentions of social distancing and mentions of this and that, many of our classrooms in this country were never designed for the amount of children that are in that particular classroom. So your views are welcome as well. 1850-333-103. And a lot of talk over the weekend because of the controversy that is coming out with Fianna Fáil in particular uh, in this new government. Uh, Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, and in his first week a lot of uh, drama in uh, his particular circles first of all Barry Cowan and the drink driving and then you have Billy Kelleher breaking the quarantine rules a lot of calls on that first of all on Barry Cowan Madge wants to know did Barry Cowan uh, did he have plates L plates at all times when he was driving to and from his workplace asks Madge well he has a full licence now at that time did he I don't know, not too sure if he did uh, have the L plates up or what type of um, way he was coming and, and going from his workplace. And also on uh, Billy Kelleher, a texter here saying, so if Billy Kelleher can break the rules, uh, the quarantine rules, does it mean that we can all do the same? Is it different rules for them? It seems 
they're saying it's all over to what we do and not what they do. And on staying with that particular issue on the fact that there's uh, so much controversy surrounding Micheál Martin at the moment, Tim feels uh, this is happening because Micheál Martin is surrounded by odd and reckless disciples, Cowan and Billy Kelleher. One has no regard for drink driving laws and the other road users on this ro- on, their, on our roads in this country and the other for the general health and well-being of Irish citizens by not self-isolating for 14 days, uh, says Tim on text 0862103103. While John in the city, uh, he says that Michal Martin should now show some leadership on this particular issue and make the Minister for Agriculture resign or he needs to fire him. What kind of examples is he giving to the rest of the country if he can drink and drive. Surely the rest of us can do it, says John, and that's the feeling that would be out there, that it's wrong to let him get away with it. And also then when it comes to Billy Kelleher flaunting the quarantine laws, John says he should be made pay at least a month's wages. It might put manners on him, says John in the city to Bernie on 1850 333103. Jim though, is asking uh, regarding the Barry Cowan story, where was this reporter for the last four years? Why did it have to come out now? And is this just gutter press at its worst, revealing what uh, Barry Cowan did? Ask Jim in Clonakilty. And on the issue of foreign travel, Frank uh, says, what are we going to do about the Americans that continue to fly into the UK and then on to Northern Ireland and then drive to the Republic? What can happen here? Because uh, where is the respect for frontline workers who have gone to work every single day during the pandemic put their lives on the risk saw first hand the treatment and what people were going through with the virus in our hospitals here in Cork be that CUH or the Mercy or, or, or Mallor Bantry or other hospitals uh, that were dealing with these particular cases uh, Frank goes on to say from the tourist side of things then we look at the pubs and we look at Dublin and we see people sitting on the footpaths in pubs outside Dublin and they all on top of each other uh, Frank says doctors are bracing themselves for another outbreak Frank it would seem uh, works in the frontline service and there's fears from looking at weekend photos especially out of Dublin and hearing uh, from locals in tourist spots who are meeting people who are travelling from the north to the Republic, uh, there's fears that we could be uh, set for another outbreak. But that was, you know, when you when you open up everything again and everybody gets back to normal, that is something that is bound to happen with uh, something as contagious as this. I mean, uh, looking at London over the weekend and looking at stills from Sky News uh, this morning, the fact that there was people everywhere on top of themselves, way worse than Dublin, and the police simply came out and said, you cannot social distance drunk people. And they tried, but you can't. They just don't listen. Uh, so where do you go from that situation and what do you do people will be saying then as somewhere uh, Margaret here is saying we can't keep the country closed forever and keeping the country closed forever then isn't good for people's mental health so she feels we should all take a risk on the virus so uh, two conflicting views there from Frank and also from Margaret on that Frank feeling we need to have respect and uh, continue with some type of a lockdown Margaret feels get back to normal and risk this particular virus where do you sit on on that particular uh, feeling do you agree with Frank or do you agree with Margaret go back the way it was and you get the virus well uh, are you lucky enough to be able to get over it 
see that's, that's people have their own views when it comes to this and it's hard then because when there is something like a lockdown it, you know, it affects people in different ways anyhow your views are welcome on who you agree with on that one uh, thank you for both your calls uh, Frank and Margaret on that and on the pictures you saw across the weekend from both Dublin and London thankfully no evidence of that here in Cork so far anyhow and on something totally different Noreen is in Mahan now she cannot get a doctor in the Mahan area to take on her partner all of the uh, surgeries are saying the lists are full at the moment and they can't see new patients and it's something we've heard of before in many areas of the county as well where doctors were saying simply they are full and they, they can't see uh, new people at the moment. She says she's at her wit's ends so does anybody know a doctor in any area that is taking on new patients if we can help Noreen in Mahan and regarding the awards we were talking earlier about uh, could we set up a national honours award scheme for Ireland speaking to Manus O'Callaghan who runs the Cork Person of the Year Awards and should this be done? Uh, well Mary in Cadolary says yes the awards should be set up and they could be called the Emerald Isle Award that's a good name for it uh, and that could recognise those in society who have made a contribution and indeed changed things in this country in regards to Mass earlier I spoke about uh, that so many that attended Mass at the weekend the, the churches weren't opening because of the limitations in place there was many drive-in Masses held and people were driving into the church car park or to GA car parks and that uh, they were having their mass in that way. Well, Joan is in Limerick. Uh, Joan was on mass on Sunday and she acted as a steward to make sure people were distancing and showing people to their seats. All the seats were numbered. Tickets were given out on Friday night and only ticket holders were left in, uh, says Joan in Limerick. So I wonder now, Joan, did anybody... A turn up without a ticket and then where they turned away a lot of the priests and, and many of the parishes uh, in different areas of Cork the reason they held the mass outside in car parks or in GA grounds was because of that reason was because simply that if they did that type of scenario people would turn up with no ticket and they didn't want to be in a situation to turn people away anyhow I uh, wonder if, if you did have to turn people away Joan in Limerick or did those just with tickets turn up and if, they, if it was the case well that worked for you could it work for other areas and also Two queries here. If we can help out Tony. Tony's in the city and he has a problem with ants in his kitchen. Now, Tony is just out of hospital after having surgery for cancer. Uh, he's obviously concerned about hygiene issues. He lives alone, uh, does not have a lot of money as he is living on the d- disability allowance. But uh, ants in the kitchen, any uh, method, anything that he can do to remove ants from his kitchen? Or is there any group out there that helps out on this? Can you help with this? Can we help Tony uh, get rid of ants in his kitchen? I know some of the community organisations in the county have people who will help you out on that if there's one of those in the city that we know of maybe attached to the city council or maybe one of the community organisations uh, that could help Tony out let us know and we'll pass on details to Tony and Anne-Marie in Bantry wants to know is there a drive-in bingo organised for Skibbereen next Sunday afternoon can you help us with, out with that if there's a, a drive-in bingo in Skibbereen going ahead next Sunday afternoon Anne-Marie in Bantry would like to go along C103 Jobs and on today's job spot we have opportunities for workers are wanted for construction of farm buildings in the Duhallow area. Safe pass is required. Contact 087 239 5743. Our car valeteer is wanted for the Glanmire area. You must have a full clean driving license and you can send your CV to carwashtj at gmail.com. And a childminder is wanted for two children, four and five years old, in the Bishopstown area. Contact 087 3622. You'll get more of these jobs online now. Just go to C103.i. Record today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, we always hear of insurance claims and huge amounts of money being paid out. And a lot of the time, sometimes they are genuine. A lot, they're not genuine. But then there's false claims. And they're not really victimless cases because financially we all end up paying for them via our insurance premiums. But Irish independent journalist Amy Malloy has a story and an example of a particular case within her family that I'm sure would annoy a lot of people. Amy joins me on the line. Good morning to you, Amy. Good morning, JP. And thanks for joining us. First of all, this was a member of your family. They were out driving. Uh, just tell us what happened and and how the incident occurred. Yeah, so this was um, a minor accident that occurred back in September in 2018. Um, so basically, my cousin was driving along traffic. Um, the traffic was quite heavy um, and he kind of just took his eye off the road a little bit and ended up going into the back of the vehicle in front. Um, now, the vehicle in front was a van and he was driving um, a kind of a pickup truck because um, he was working that, uh, on that day. Um, and he ended up kind of going into the back of the vehicle. And uh, you've seen the picture that I shared on Twitter. There was a bit of a minor dent in the back of the van. Um, so obviously got out of the vehicle. Um, the other guy in front got out of the vehicle. Um, they exchanged insurance details. So obviously my cousin would have had to pay to kind of amend the dent. Um, and then he just said that, like, you know, he's read a lot about these kind of cases. And he said it would be best to call the guards. Um, but the guy said that he was in a rush and couldn't wait for Gardy to arrive. So that was grand. He left anyway. And then a couple of weeks later, basically, my cousin got a solicitor's letter um, saying that an injury claim was being brought against him following the incident. Um, so obviously, he kind of like handed the matter over to his insurance company. Um, and then he just kind of got a letter in the post last week notifying him that the claim had been settled. It was a whiplash claim um, and that the insurance company has settled it for a total of €17,390. Huge sum of money, and looking at the pictures uh, that you've shared, it seems like the tow bar or something of your cousin's jeep just. T- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Touched off the, the van. There's not a lot of major damage called just a, a, a minor f- few dents, but nothing that you would think could cause whiplash. Uh, when they, obviously the solicitor's letter was sent to the insurance company, they investigated that. Uh, did your cousin at any time get any response from the insurance company? Did they ask him anything or was it just simply he was told that the payment was paid out? Yeah, so basically he just kind of told them what happened. Um, he just thought, look, they'll end up handling it. And then he thought he'd obviously have to cover the damage to get the vehicle repaired. Um, but he didn't, he never imagined that the claim was going to be settled for that amount of money, you know, because he was kind of arguing, look, it was just a minor dent. I don't really understand how somebody could be, like, seriously physically injured after it. Um, you know, there was no ambulance or anything called to the scene. Um, the the guardian recalled what the guy had gone at that stage. Um, so I think he was just kind of quite shocked that to, to learn last week that the claim wasn't settled for that amount. Um, and then obviously, like, he's probably going to be nervous now about when his premium is due to be renewed at the end of the year, how, how it's going to impact that. Because at the end of the day, when these claims are settled, it's the policyholder who ends up having to pay for it. Um, so I think he, he's a bit stressed about that, all right. Um, but, you know, like, this isn't a one-off incident. Um, I've had a couple of articles over the last few weeks published in the Irish Independent um, kind of detailing motorist experience with insurance companies settling claims um, there was one lady I interviewed she, same kind of issue she was involved in a minor collision um, her son was in the back seat and was kind of crying so she turned around for a second and then took her eye off the road obviously and went into the vehicle in front but they were crawling along in rush hour traffic in Dublin at the time um, again minor little dent I think she had a bit of a, a crack on her number plate um, and then she found out that the claim had been settled for a substantial amount um, basically five years later um, and she, she actually, um, a friend of hers was a friend of the lady on Facebook. Um, and kind of a few months after the accident, there was a video on Facebook of this lady doing cartwheels at a hen party. Um, and she raised this with her insurance company, basically, and was kind of told, look, it's cheaper to just settle these claims and investigate them in the long run. Um, and then just after four years, the claim was settled. Um, so it's quite shocking, you know, because even when you have cases that we publish on Facebook about claims being thrown out. Like, a lot of people comment under the articles just kind of detailing their experiences. And the amount of people talking about settlements being made, it's quite shocking, like... Um, and, you see, the trouble is that there's actually no figures or data on how much insurance companies are paying out in personal injury settlements each year. Um, this information has never been made public. Obviously, you have the information about how much is being awarded in the courts each year, but um, only a certain amount, I think make it to court um, there's a lot of settlements going on behind the scenes so I think if that information ever is made public it's going to be quite damning really Yeah it'll be shocking because I mean out of your own cousin's case there and what you've said it seems the insurance companies are just paying these out they're not investigating I mean your cousin's case they should have uh, spoken to that particular person or maybe got a doctor's report to see if there was a problem there and also for those other cases because if they are going to pay out like they are you and me are going to pay for it in the long run uh, because the premiums will just have to go up if they're going to pay out huge sums of money like this and if they are saying to people with evidence they continue to pay out I mean that's a sure sign huge volumes of money are going to be paid out in, in the future if they're not going to investigate these particular claims properly Yeah exactly but like I know like I'm not taking the insurer's side on this at all, like, but then, like, from their point of view, I suppose, if you do defend these cases, the amount that does end up being racked up on legal costs is quite shocking as well. Um, like, there was one lady that I interviewed, and, again, she was involved in a minor collision, and she was asking insurance to fight it. 
and they were fighting it and fighting it and then basically they decided not to go ahead to court they thought like you know sometimes the court system can be a lottery like you come up in front of a particular judge um, who might be more favourable towards scientists um, and you might end up having to pay out a lot more um, so I think the claim settled for like 62,000 and then there was 30 grand in legal costs on top of that um, but it's just frustrating as a motorist you know like when, when you kind of just get a letter in the post saying, oh, look, this person got 17 grand for a minor collision. Um, and, you know, like with, with flash injuries, it's kind of a case of like, it's a hard thing to prove. Because, um, you know, it's an injury where you're just kind of just out, outlining your symptoms, basically. And, and it's not something that shows up on a scan. Um, so it's kind of a hard thing to argue against as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it is very frustrating. I think a lot of motorists, when they read these kind of stories, they're just thinking, oh, maybe that's why my insurance premium went up so high. But then the central bank report that came out last Christmas, um, it actually showed that the level of claims are going down, but yet premiums were rising. Um, so I don't know, there's a lot of kind of grey, murky areas. And I just think that there needs to be a lot more transparency around this area. Like, you know, Pierce Doherty from Sinn Féin, he got that Consumer Insurance Contracts Act passed at Christmas, passed all stages of the Euroctus, and that's meant to kind of increase transparency around the issue of insurance settlements. So basically, an insurance company can't settle a claim without your consent. Um, but this is like seven months on now, and it still hasn't been signed into law. Um, so he's kind of raised that in the doll in the last couple of weeks and saying how it's very frustrating. You know, this, this kind of piece of legislation will help improve the situation for motorists, but yet... The government are kind of dragging its heels on it, so I don't know. It's 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 a very frustrating area, and I think a lot of motorists are kind of just want to see a lot more action and proactivity on big time. Yeah, big time. It's sickening in a way to think that for your cousin and others, if you do know it's only a tiny tip and then you get that letter saying they paid out over €17,000, huge amount of money. And for your cousin now, I mean, if, he's, if he knows that the premium will be affected, I mean, had the insurance company told him his bonus will be deducted because of this or will he lose some of his bonus on his insurance policy? I'm not sure now. I, ha- I actually haven't asked him about that. Um, but sure, look, once there's an accident on, on your account, like it's kind of a given that your premium is going to rise. Yeah. It's just a question of how much buy. Um, but I think, you know, like it's just a dangerous precedent that's been set and it's something that's been going on for 20, 30 years. It's not just happened in the last few years. You know, these kind of settlements have always been going on behind the scenes. Um, I just think they're getting a lot more publicity now because motorists are basically just fed up about it. Yeah. Um, but look, it is frustrating and it's just something that I hope the new government is going to start to look at a bit more seriously because insurance reform is something that is, is needed to kind of save a lot of businesses and kind of help our premiums go down eventually. So hopefully we're going to see a lot more productivity in, in the area in the coming years. Hopefully we do because it's like the motorist has no say. It's like whoever wants to make the claim can make it and your view isn't welcome because you don't have a chance to, to have your view heard unless you go to court and as you said a lot of costs involved then in going to court with solicitors and barristers, barristers and, and, and legal side of things. A fraudulent kind of unit I suppose is what we really need isn't it for this to investigate these particular claims maybe even after they're paid. Yeah, well, there has been a lot of, of calls for a fraudulent union to be set up in Gardaí, but then kind of, I think, um, Commissioner Drew Harris came out and said, look, basically don't have the resources for this. Um, I think even there was a, a case in the circuit court in Dublin a few weeks ago where the guy's claim was found to be fraudulent and it was thrown out. And the judge actually wearingly remarked saying, there's actually no point in me referring this case to the DPP because none of these cases are ever pursued. Um, so for a judge to actually say that, it's quite damning of the system itself. Um you do hear of cases getting thrown out and, you know, the judge, like, saying this should be, like, investigated further. 
But then you talk to Gardaí and they're saying they don't have time and resource dedicated to it. So unless there is a specific unit looking at this area, these cases aren't going to go away. Um, I had an interview with Insurance Ireland last week and, you know, they were saying the payouts here for claims and whiplash are 4.4 times higher than that of the UK. So as long as we have high payouts, people are still going to continue to bring these cases. And at the end of the day, like people do bring fraudulent claims, they're going unpunished. You know, they take mm. a case, their solicitors acting for them on a no-win, no-fee basis. So if they don't, if the case gets thrown out, you know, they might get costs awarded against them. But in most cases, they, they kind of say they don't have the means to pay those costs. Um, so it's very hard to kind of follow up and get the money that, that you were awarded. Um, and then obviously, there's no kind of legal action being taken either. So essentially, you take this case and you just, you know, if you don't win, well, at the end of the day, <laughs> that's it. Like, so there's no deterrent there for people bringing dodgy cases, not to bring them, because essentially they just know that there's nothing going to be done about it, which is very frustrating. Yeah, and that's what we need, some kind of deterrent, I suppose, to come in out of this country to stop this from happening again. Uh, well, Amy, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing your, your story of your cousin anyway, and hopefully things won't go too high premium-wise for him over the next year. And I'm sure it's something we'll, we'll keep an eye on here uh, about these fraudulent claims, because so many listeners over the last number of years have come to us, and this just highlights now again uh, that unfortunately it still continues, uh, and, and, and hopefully something will be done, uh, as you said, with the new government over the next while. For the moment, Amy, thank you for joining us this morning and sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks. Amy Malloy there, a journalist with the Irish Independent, but just highlighting the story of her cousin there in that particular incident. Uh, Tipped the van and over €17,000 paid out from his insurance company uh, to the person who claimed whiplash and... It's all of us, you and me folks, we're all paying for that some way or another in our insurance policies and that's why they continue to rise. 1850 333 103, your views welcome. Have you been in that situation? Text or WhatsApp 86 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, while the many of swimming pools across the country and indeed leisure centres are opening up or about to reopen, there is some bad news for the people in the Fermoy area because the popular leisure centre in Fermoy, which is run by the council, that will remain closed for months to come. What is the reason behind this though? Well, Councillor Noel McCarthy in Fermoy joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, John Paul. First of all, disappointing news here. Already parents and those involved in sports have been in touch with us uh, due to what they describe as disappointing and that something should have been done uh, during the lockdown on this. Uh, what is the issue, first of all, and, and why cannot the swimming pool reopen? Well, John Paul, you're dead right. It's very disappointing news for the people, for my general public, the, the clubs that use it and so on. And it's a big catchment area, maybe 20 kilometres, 30 kilometres wide that people that use the swimming pool. But unfortunately, the air handling unit has malfunctioned and it needs to be replaced. And obviously, that takes time. It has to go to tender first, John Paul, because it's over the normal budget, so it has to be tendered for, and which has been done. And I think the place that they're able to get it is Italy, where it's going to be a delay there as well because of the COVID-19 and they're, work to, they're not working in a full capacity over there. And that's why the delay. And the most important thing here, John Paul, is the email we got, to, as I as a public representative and my colleagues, at least three months. And that's the part that we're worried about, the least part. Because, as you said yourself, it's been closed for the, the last 10 weeks. And other pools in the county have opened last Monday and during the week. 
And so everybody in Fomoy was looking to, for the one in Fomoy to be open. So this is very disappointing news. And uh, what I've said already is we need to have our next meeting to discuss this. See, can we bring it on forward? Because people are very disappointed and feel that this shouldn't have happened. And when did you or the guys there, first of all, notice that there was a problem with this particular air conditioning type unit? Well, John Paul, the first email we got was on Wednesday. Now, we did know that there is refurbishment planned for the pool. And the first thing I should have said, John Paul, is this is no fault of the staff whatsoever. Mm. We have an excellent staff over there, very professional, very courteous, and do a great job. And I'm sure and everyone in Fomai will, will support that and surrounding areas that use it. So it's no... And, and it's a concern to them as well, because they'll be able to work well. This needs to be done. So we only got word of it on Wednesday officially. We, 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 we were disappointed with that because we knew nothing beforehand. People have said to me over the weekend, and since the story is broke, we should have been doing this repairs or checking it out while the COVID-19 had the restrictions and the pool was closed. I accept that. But I suppose we can't do a blame game now. What we need to do now is drive on from here and see can we speed up the process, check every avenue out there, check every option. Is Italy the only option? Can we check other ones and see can we get the pool over? pool open faster rather than wait for three months and more. And if Italy must manufacture this and get it shipped in from Italy to Ireland, the other thing here is, and we don't want to say that this could happen, but they have been highly impacted by COVID-19. So if there was any uh, delays initially because of the virus, that could have an impact then for Formoy. Without a doubt. And that's why I think we need to explore other options. People have said that to me over the weekend. And again, I'm not, I don't want to blame the, the executive of the council in any way. I know they'd love to see the poll open like they would. They're disappointed as well. But maybe we need to do look at every option and see can we get this open. Because, as I say, we've been closed for three months nearly already. Mm. If this is another three months, half the year is gone with no pool in Formoy. And, I can, and people are really, really disappointed. It's a great facility to have and we're so proud of it. And, and there, there's no indication of when this particular fault happened with this because I'm now inundated with texts from people, as you mentioned, it, this could have been dealt with over the three months when swimming pools were closed because of COVID-19 and the lockdown. If this was noticed in February, maybe what we're discussing now could have been averted. Without a doubt. And I accept all that criticism. And, and I, I feel questions need to be asked. Again, I, I'm not a person that goes on blaming anyone. We need to find out why this happened. Never leave it happen again. But the most important thing you know is, can we speed up the process? Because, as I said, the pool will be a huge loss to a lot of people. Schools, please, got our back in September. They use it very often. And it's the most important thing. I, I met a gentleman yesterday. And he said to me, no, the pool alone teaching young people to swim because of the danger with, um, with swimming and being able to swim is a great thing. And the pool does that in a big way in Fomoy. And it's very, very popular. And that's a good point you make there, Noel, because yeah. there was a lot of dangers over the years from people jumping into the river in Fomoy at various parts of the bridges in the town. I mean, is that something now you're going to see that if people don't have, who, who you were using the pool for leisure outside of the clubs, that they could start using rivers and you have a safety concern in there? Without a doubt, and we had a lot of that over the years, and the pool has rectified that, and young people are, are encouraged to go into the pool, learn to swim by their parents and, and adults, and, and told, listen, this is a great thing to have, but because we live in the River Blackwater, and it's a, it's a danger itself that young people would do this without being able to swim properly, as you know, currents are strong, and we, we want to avert that at all times. And again, the clubs that use it, um, John Paul, be it the swimming club, which we are a great swimming club in the area, they're going to be inconvenienced big time in this because 
they need to get good um, athletes coming up and swimmers and they want to be able to train. And I, I don't know where they'll be get another option to do that. So we need to work hard for all these clubs. You have the triathlon club, I know you use it, the Sawakra uh, organisation for my user for training. And then you have people that use the sauna and the steam room on a regular basis. So we have a big catchment here and a lot of people to look after. And we must work for them. Yeah, and as you're on about clubs, uh, one text here from Michael Lyons, who says the closure of from my swimming pool, uh, he feels is very disappointing. He's the parent of two kids learning how to swim and a member of the Blackwater Triathlon Club. It's very unsatisfactory and its reopening should be a priority for Fermoy, says Michael Lyons on text to 0862103103. What's the time frame here? You, I mean, you mentioned tendering. Uh, you mentioned this company initially who actually manufactured this particular unit uh, air conditioning type unit uh, if that's going to take three or four months and then it must be installed uh, are we talking next year for the pool to reopen or, or is there a time frame overall of how long all this will take Well, and that's a very good point John Paul yes we got a time frame of at least three months but there are the questions we need to ask and and I know my colleagues in all fairness uh, elected representatives have the same concerns and we will be lobbying the executive to see listen we need to get this up. It can't go on till 2021 because that means the pool will be closed for nine months of the year. And that's totally unsatisfactory. If we can find a way to get this air handling unit, whether Italy can speed it up or we can get it somewhere else, I think we need to look at every option. But we can, we must work as a, together to do this with the executive to see and show people and for my, that we are very, very serious in this pool open as soon as possible because it's not fair. And Michelle is in for my, she has children in the swimming club and asked Noel if the pool is going to stay closed now for the next while, is there somewhere else people can go? Is there another pool somewhere nearby in the county that people in Fermoy in that area can use? And that's a good question and I knew that question would be asked. I, I, I know Mallow's near to us and I think there's uh, one in Cove and so on, but I say they are probably full to capacity as well. Mm. I don't know that for a definite no jump out, but it does, won't surprise me because the amount of people using this swimming pool here in Fermoy and other pools in, in the county is, is really an awful lot. And have they the time to, to, to take in other clubs and people? I don't know. But it's something we will check and I will bring up at the next meeting of the council as well. That's a very good question. Okay, stay there Noel because John Hall is chairperson of the From My Swimming Club. He joins us on the line. Good, good morning to you John. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks John. On this obviously as you're part of the swimming club, disappointment on the particular pool not being reopened and like so many listeners, would you have liked this to be addressed if there was a problem earlier in the year so that this could have been avoided now? I, I think that in fairness to the, the pool management and the pool staff, I think they tried to manage it as best they could. They knew the unit was pretty much going, but when it would go, it would go. And obviously, to the fact that they have to go to e-tenders, it was obviously going to cost cost a good bit of money. So they didn't want to um, be kind of pushing, push, paying for it too soon <laughs> at the same time. Um, like I suppose from our, our, our perspective is that um, with the pools reopening and during the summer months, we've been planning to get the general our, our general swimmers back in in September. But now it's possibly if this three months is going to be late September that we will be getting it. But I suppose we have our more competitive um, swimmers that have been out of the water so far for nearly four months. And every week out of the water is a big hindrance to them. So we're trying to get them back in swimming and trying to bring them back up to the standard that they were. But Mallow has been quite good to us in that we've got some hours for um, July and August anyway to allow them to come back. But we've other swimmers coming on. So like we need to, going forward, we need we need to kind of, I suppose, to plan ahead and to 
to know what we're doing. We need to um, know what what with definite that um, when we will reopen. Um, will it be the end of September? Can we get in and 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 moving? And is is there a possibility of possibly in in the meantime um, um, other pools being made available to us to allow us? But I know that Mallow had their own swim club, obviously. Um, or is there other places in the county that we could utilise and things like that? Yeah, because you need uh, to know yeah. now. You don't want to be organising this until September, and then September comes and you realise that you'll need to look at other areas again to avail of a pool if things haven't gone to plan with replacing this particular unit. I mean, Noel, is that something that you can help out on in, in ensuring that there is space in other swimming clubs and other pools uh, in the nearby areas? Yes, we can do that, John Paul, and I, I'm glad to hear John on the radio about it. We will build up our next meeting, which is two weeks tomorrow, the 21st of July. They are the questions we need to ask, and if John has any questions particular from the pool, if he sends them in, I'm sure we'll ask, answer them and get a mask and see what we can do to help out in some way. But and John, on your club members, how are they then reacting to all of this? How are they feeling? I mean, when, like every sport you get used to where you're training, is it a change then for them to, to move from one pool to another and you're also including travel plans in that or are they happy enough? It doesn't make a difference even to training well, in a different it, pool. Obviously, it, 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 makes, it makes a difference, like kind of difficult if you're used to coming to, uh, to like to Formoy, obviously you've got an extra 30 kilometres or whatever. To travel up to um, um, travel over to over to Mallow, like we've swimmers in our top squad coming from um, um, Yall to um, there's actually some coming from t- and down from Tipperary and Mitchellstown area as well. So we've a big catchment area of swimmers um, that are trying to develop and train. And even two weeks out for summer holidays can be um, 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 a big loss um, for the ability for the swimmers just to keep going, and they need to build it back up again. So we're down three months and the uh, other pools are back training at the moment. So for our own swimmers to get back in and try to get back up to the same level of where they are, um, there is a lag and this three months is um, uh, a bit of a kick, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. but, but we have the younger swimmers then because we had our term started, obviously, when COVID came in. So that's been postponed and we're hoping to restart all the training and get everything back in, back back up and running when the schools reopened in September and trying to organise that. Um, so that's going to be obviously postponed slightly. So I suppose our biggest fear would be that there's further delays so that three months extends out. So if it is only three months or if, it's, as, as Noel says, if it can be speeded up a bit, that would be great. But um, definitely I, I, I would be um, extremely disappointed if it went beyond um, the end of September. And that's the um, fear that it, it could run on into October, November or December. And no, could that be a likelihood that that could happen? I mean, we've seen it, projects before like this when some a piece of equipment that is needed for the pool, uh, that this could go. Could we have a situation by going through policy within the council, going through tendering and then having this manufacturer from Italy, we possibly could see a, a delay here? Or do you think it will all go to plan and you can be happy enough to say it will be, or the council come back to you and say it will be three to four months time? Well, John Paul, I suppose to answer that question, I'm hoping that they'll stick around the time frame. My worry was when I saw on the email, they said at least three months. Because yeah, then that's the word, at least. For, that's the least, and that's my concern. But I have no bother coming back again, John Paul, after a meeting. I'll be asking them questions, ask what problems we have ahead of us, and see can we rectify it in some way and speed it up. 
I've no bother coming back on and letting people know that, John Paul. But I think we have a lot of questions to ask at our next meeting, and 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 people have huge concerns going forward. Yeah, really there is. Yeah, I must go there to is. news at midday, uh, John. We'll we'll stay in touch with you as well on this particular issue because I understand it's going to be a worry for your members who do and want this to reopen as soon as possible. Uh, we'll stay in touch with you, John, as well, and Noel. You keep us updated on what's happening with this going forward. I will, of course, John. Okay, thank, thank you, you both for joining us this morning. Uh, John Hall there, who's chairperson of the Fermoy Swimming Club and councillor Noel McCarthy from Fermoy on that issue. The swimming and leisure centre closed in Fermoy due to that. What is basically an air conditioning unit broken must be replaced, but with tendering and the uh, company that produces this initially, it could see maybe further delays than three months and the guys there outlining their concerns. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Good afternoon to you. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger with you until one. Bernie taking your comments this afternoon. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email jp at c103.ie or indeed you can tweet this afternoon at c103cork. A lot of calls in regarding the topics we spoke about across the morning. And indeed, uh, don't forget, Annalisa Giselle, of course, is along from 12.30, answering all your nutritional questions. If you have a health or nutritional question for Annalisa, get it into us now. A few in already. We'll put that to her from 12.30. You can give your questions or call Bernie with your questions, 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, earlier, we were speaking about the social distancing across the weekend and some people were out and about and they were on various beaches and felt there was not enough social distancing in place. Uh, the main thing I suppose of concern was the pictures that came out from Dublin at the weekend and it was obvious despite all the warnings that people were out on the streets and there was no social distancing. People were sitting down on footpaths, enjoying themselves uh, but again worries that it could see a spike in the virus because of the behaviour of some people over the weekend and police in the UK basically what they have come out and said and you might have seen the pictures from London at the weekend if you thought Dublin was bad uh, London was way worse uh, the police in London simply said you cannot police drunk people they will not abide by social distancing so how do you uh, police drunk people to obey these new regulations and that is a, it's a very good answer when you have a number of people in one spot and this could be hundreds from what we saw at the weekend in London how do you police that if they're all uh, in a very drunk state and the police are simply trying to separate them it's impossible so they just came out and said it can't be done uh, so where do you go from there? Anyhow, with the concern that people have on that, Sandy says, I've also am made aware of a number of foreign visitors that have availed of the travel loopholes, especially flying into us here in Ireland from the US. And that's something that we heard from last week on the show uh, from callers who living on the Cork Kerry border have met American tourists and they simply have said that, yeah, we are flying into London, uh, doing some holiday making there, then flying on to Northern Ireland and then driving down uh, from the north to the Republic. And Sandy is saying she has heard of as well of people flying uh, into Shannon and onto the UK but where they are coming from regarding Ireland is the worry because they can travel obviously we know they can travel back and forth uh, over the border but certainly visitors have been not only here 
in the uh, in the Cork area and Kerry area across the country. Uh, she's saying that she uh, has uh, heard of visitors being in shops locally in Cork over the weekend and some have been getting home deliveries after maybe renting out Airbnbs or something. Also, she's wondering, going back to March, when Leo did visit Trump on St. Patrick's Day, did he himself isolate for two weeks, I wonder, with everything that has been said at the moment? I think not. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, says Sandy on text 0862103103. I don't think so at the time. And at the time, it was all new around that stage too. I'm not too sure if those measures were even in place at that time. If people knew, uh, as we were just about to go into lockdown, the seriousness of everything that was going on around us at that particular time. And on the issue of social distancing Anne says it's pointless for us here uh, to be social distancing when the government are letting the Americans in the back door and could be spreading the virus anywhere Uh, sure if the US is out of control with the virus what hope have we Uh, kind regards Anne on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and on the issue of teachers returning to school and the schools reopening and parents and the parents councils working with the schools and working with the government on setting an approach for schools to reopen open but this morning we have heard the teacher unions and indeed school managers say they will require extra staff if schools are going to be reopening in September Uh, this by way of substitute teachers uh, and uh, more resources in cleaning for schools. Uh, They're also asking about and expressing concerns about the distance rules uh, that has come out as well over the last week or so. Uh, Bush as regarding the teacher side of things, the parents council for primary and their surveys, parents are coming out to them saying they want uh, their children to return to school uh, for a number of reasons, not only education but also for their own social factors that they get back mingling uh, with people their own age and with their friends in the classroom. Well on that uh, John and Clonacilty says if the teachers won't go back to school in September and there is I suppose faults being found with the running of the schools and saying schools are not able to open uh, John feels that then teachers should be put on the COVID payment if the schools do not reopen in September. Uh, that's John's point in Clonacilty. Uh, on that uh, texts are here saying the main difference between teachers teaching from home by internet as against the classroom is the free baby minding service. Teachers are flat out still doing what they are doing and what they actually get paid to do, which is teaching, not babysitting, says this particular texter who says, P.S. I am not a teacher. And also on WhatsApp, a person here is saying that my daughter has a severe autoimmune disease. Now, she's on heavy treatment at the moment and she has been told and advised not to mix with groups. But she has three young kids, aged 6 to 13, that must go back to school. She's worried in case one child brings the virus home. So what's the point of staying in if children are out mixing? It's a hard dilemma. Yeah, you're right. And that is a tough one. Uh, Knowing, as parents are saying, that the children do need to go back to school. But then in your daughter's situation, when she has uh, that particular autoimmune disease, it's a very hard dilemma to know how indeed you you, you deal with that one or even approach that particular uh, issue with the school as well. Uh, Thank you for your WhatsApp. And also on that, uh, another WhatsApp from another parent who says the government forget about kids who have a long term illness. My son has cystic fibrosis. And will he be able to go back to school 
in September. And that's a real worry with cystic fibrosis because so far what we know about the COVID-19 is the fact that it does attack the lungs and it's very much a respiratory disease dealing with the lungs. So, yeah, it, it is a big issue there uh, for, for your son and for your, all of your family because your fear is that he could pick it up from the school. Thank you uh, for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And for people who were out and about at the weekend and uh, talking about social distancing and uh, commenting on it, just at a total different aspect of that, Lisa was out and about at a particular restaurant or cafe at the weekend. While everything was fine in that regards, she says she was utterly disgusted to see the waste of fine food left behind after customers. Total lack of respect for food and the makers of food. Lockdown isn't half good enough for these people. So I presume people had a cup of coffee or, or whatever, a cake or a sandwich, but didn't eat it all left it behind and Lisa pointing out what a waste of food that was Uh, thank you Lisa for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and on the issue of uh, Barry Cowan and of course he has come out and apologised for uh, the drink driving incident a number of years ago uh, but he was on a learning place a learning licence and that seemingly has caught the most attention this morning from people about him driving on an, a learner licence. Now he has in the meantime got a full uh, driving licence but he was on a learner when he was stopped that time on the motorway uh, for drink driving but a lot of people are picking up on this and Dennis sums it all in on one comment saying I want to know how many times over the years did Barry Cowan drive on a motorway on an L plate as that's illegal? Did he have a qualified driver in the car when he was stopped? And if he didn't, well, that was an offence as well as back in the day. What kind of insurance was he driving around on? For example, if he had a crash, would he be using the uninsured driver's fund to pay out? And we all pay for that, asks Dennis. And there are questions we don't know. I mean, he has come out, Dennis, and said that he now has a full driving licence I'm not sure, did he get the train? Did he drive in back roads? Did he drive in the motorway? He obviously did drive in the motorway uh, at various times, uh, but no one has actually asked about the actual L-plate situation and, and the learner driving licence situation and those questions you posed there. It very much went on the drink driving situation and he did just say no, he now has a full licence, but it will be interesting to see if he will come out and speak more about the uh, learner licence he was on and driving on the motorway and those questions you posed Dennis, so thank you for that and we'll have to wait and see. I mean, he did give one interview yesterday to RTE and that was seemingly it so far but I'm sure a lot more will come out over the next few days on that and we'll hear a lot more about the licence too. Uh, we'll see if they are willing to talk. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there will be press conferences this week on other issues to do with the government and that will be a chance then for reporters to ask him those questions yet again. We'll, we'll wait and see, Dennis. Uh, thank you for your, your text on that and good questions regarding the uh, learner licence, which of course has a lot of uh, um, rules and regulations attached to that as well. Uh, on staying in a, in a vein, I suppose, same vein on insurance and uh, the discussion we spoke with Amy Malloy there, a journalist with the Irish Independent uh, earlier on in the show, and Amy telling off her cousin's situation whereby he just tipped off a van in front of him while in traffic, a bit of a dent caused to the van, and lo and behold, he gets a solicitor's letter a few weeks later and he sends that to the insurance company and then he hears that his insurance company has paid out over €17,000 uh, due to whiplash. So whiplash claim made against him. Now, he will see his insurance increase at some point. But on that, 
uh, issue of claims. So many people have had the same circumstances before and a lot of people are warning about that within traffic. Jones saying a warning to your listeners like Amy's situation I was in traffic one day, moving along the South Link Road and moving slowly as we were queuing for the tunnel. The car in front of me drove off, not fast, but a higher speed as he had left a, a bigger gap between him and the car in front of him. So I drove in as well at a higher speed when in traffic. The car in front of me stopped real suddenly. I stopped as well and briefly touched the bumper of the car. Yes, like Amy's cousin, I too was in the very same situation of that insurance claim and a high insurance claim from my insurance policy at that particular time. We did not call the guards either because it was such a tiny little bump. We could not see a scratch anywhere on the bumper, uh, either of our bumpers, uh, but still I was in that situation. So something does need to be done regarding insurance claims and the way insurance operates. I know they are coming out and saying, it actually costs more to go to court and investigate the claims. But surely now at this stage, they need to look into it further and, le- and work something out with the legal profession as if they keep paying all this money out for tiny scratches, how will we afford to pay for insurance in the long run, uh, says Joan. And yeah, and that does happen. And the example was Amy and now you, Joan, they are a tiny bump on a busy traffic motorway and next thing you're, you're paying out over €17,000 on your insurance policy. Thank you, Joan, for sharing your story. On another issue here to do with insurance on WhatsApp, uh, at a, tech, a listener here is saying, I was just listening about your insurance claims and I've had to claim off my insurance because someone left a shopping trolley to one side and the wind blew the trolley and it hit my car and it cost 19,000 euro or sorry, 1,900 euros to fix. A big sum of money, nearly two grand to fix your particular car. So please ask your listeners to put their trolleys back in the trolley bay. And I know a few people for that particular WhatsApper, uh, a lot of my, my mates and a lot of people that work here when they go to park in a car park, avoid parking near the trolley bay for that particular reason because sometimes a trolley can be left unattended and fly off like that. But that's a large amount of money. So uh, if you are in the shopping market like many people are at the moment, uh, just be aware of that. The trolley uh, flying off and hitting a car and costing that particular listener over nearly two grand to fix from her insurance company obviously enough uh, earlier on we had I think it was John was it or, uh, I think it was John and Mahan uh, regarding ants in his kitchen and how he can stop ants in his kitchen well Mary says you can get a special ant spray and also uh, a spray called Ant Stop and it will, it's in a little black box and it makes a huge difference I had ants and they are gone now I got mine in Duns Mary says so something like that might help our listener John in Mahan uh, you can get Anything else you have for John? How to get rid of ants in your kitchen? 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. More calls and comments coming in on various issues. I'll get to those shortly. And keep your questions coming as well for Annalisa, who joins us shortly, answering all your nutritional questions and indeed any health advice as well. Annalisa, along from the Health Hub in Ballincollig, you can call Bernie as well for those. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
And Churchtown Community Council, they are fundraising to refurbish their community hall and are asking people to donate a slate for a cost of €20. For everyone who contributes €100 and over, there is a draw for an Apple iPad worth €400. You can donate online. Go to ifundraise.ie forward slash CTS Community Hall. And the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation, they're appealing for donations to enable them to continue their support for families. You can donate by texting for you or you can donate for euro by texting the words we care to 50300 or give what you can through jackandjill.ie. And a number of calls and comments coming in. Just going back to the situation of Billy Kelleher. Fianna Fáil MEP for Ireland South and uh, the situation that he went along to Michal Martins uh, being made Taoiseach and he travelled from Brussels and of course he didn't self-isolate for or quarantine for 14 days and a number of people unhappy between this and Brian Cowan or Brian uh, Barry Cowan even of course uh, Brian Cowan's uh, younger brother is Barry Cowan now Minister for Agriculture in relation to the drink driving and it seems from the majority of our callers and everybody is saying the one thing it's one rule for them and one rule for us and Dennis and Castle Magner uh, summing this up saying Billy Kelleher did not self-isolate and he apologised and Mary Lou went up to the north and did not self-isolate and she apologised. He wants to know his daughter lives in Italy. If she came home and did not isolate for 14 days would an apology be alright for her? It seems to be one rule for them and one rule for the rest of us says Dennis in Castle Magner. And while on the issue of insurance John and Bally Claus says I did not get any rebate from his insurance company as yet. He is with Zurich. Well not all insurance companies were giving back uh, the rebate. Some were. I know Liberty Insurance gave back uh, that particular rebate while the COVID period was on and people weren't using their cars as much for the three months. Uh, majority of people with Liberty got something back. Might be only up to 30 euros, but they got 30 euros back anyhow uh, from Liberty. Uh, somebody got less. AXA gave some rebate back, uh, but I know Aviva haven't given anything back and maybe Zurich haven't either. So not all insurance companies have. I've only, from people that have been ringing our show, it's only seems it would seem AXA and Liberty anyhow what are two giving back money over the last month or so on that situation but on the insurance John and Valley Claw makes another point that Michael McGrath uh, the Fianna Fáil Minister now uh, he did try over the last number of years to get insurance costs down but he claimed at the time that Fianna Gael would not cooperate with him now he is in power with Fianna Gael surely they'll get somewhere now uh, in negotiating something with the insurance companies and on the insurance companies and in fact the insurance companies paying out large sums of money. Uh, Colin makes a very good point in Butterfins. He says with every claim with an insurance company it's backed up by a doctor and a solicitor. They get big money for it. These professionals are making money from all these particular claims. So the insurance companies should investigate the doctors and the lawyers. Uh, who is scamming who? If a claim is thrown out of court the claimant is called a crook and blamed for fraud but nothing is ever said to the professionals who backed him up. Uh, good point, Colm. In Butterfint on 1850-333-103. And on the issue we spoke about earlier on this is, and we might get back to this in the show tomorrow, getting a lot of calls on this. This is where a private comp- or private hospitals now, if you're going for an operation in a private hospital, that you will be uh, facing a charge of up to 75 to 250 euro uh, for a COVID-19 test. So before you go along for your procedure, you will go to the particular private hospital, maybe a day or two beforehand, get a particular test for COVID-19. And then if it comes back negative, you go along for your procedure 
three or four days later or whenever your particular procedure was due to be on. So Patricia in Kilmallock, she is going to the Marta Private for a day procedure soon and she's asking, are they going to charge her for a COVID test? It just seems for her, she says, to be another money spinner for the hospitals. Well, the hospitals have come out and said they are just obeying the health advice on this particular matter and possibly, Patricia double check with them but on what we're hearing that you will be charged for the particular COVID tests it ranges from 75 euro to 250 around that uh, payment but check with them first to be sure but it would look like at this stage you will get be charged something for that particular COVID-19 test and of course then the insurance companies aren't going to pay either so the likes of Leia and the likes of VHI and Irish Life for the moment anyhow they don't seem to be honouring that particular payment so you will have to pay that yourself and it would like at this stage anyway Patricia for you and Kilmallock it looks like you are going to have to pay that uh, particular money but I would check with them first to be sure and Joan is in Formoy and she's saying there are eight parking spaces gone from the main street metal bars have gone up there instead uh, why is this? Now this is something that has happened in many towns across Cork and the reason for this is uh, mainly because the council in some areas are making spaces and they're making spaces for some cafes and restaurants that they can have outdoor seating areas or that something can be done in those areas. I'm not too sure if that's the reason in Formoy. There could be a total different reason altogether. I'm not too sure. Uh, that's happening and that is the reason for some of the towns. For Formoy, we're not sure. We'll check it out. But that could be one of the reasons uh, that they have gone up there in Formoy. Uh, Joan, thank you for your calls. 1850 103 A number of calls and texts uh, have come in on various issues to do uh, with uh, insurance and to do with people getting money back for insurance. Mary just WhatsApping in at the moment saying uh, she is with Liberty and people had to apply for the rebate, she says. I got a 10 euro voucher for Super Value, uh, says Mary with Liberty. And another person here is saying, JP, FBD Insurance issues 35 euro vouchers for every private car and commercial vehicle to all their customers. And another person on WhatsApp saying, uh, we got 40 euros back from Zurich last Friday in a one for all card voucher says Tom so there we are so for our, our John and Barry Claw, you might be getting that yes Tom on WhatsApp has got a 40 euro voucher back from Zurich last Friday in the form of a one for all voucher that's good uh, so more insurance companies now are issuing these particular uh, rebates back to their customers in different forms. Uh, that, that is good to mention that. Uh, and thank you indeed for your text on that. A number of other people coming back with various um, costs and various refunds they're getting from their insurance companies. Aviva seems to be the only one so far looking at the WhatsApps coming in on people that haven't got an actual rebate. If someone has got money back from Aviva, let us know. Uh, looking uh, briefly at the WhatsApps coming in, everybody or ed- every other insurance company seems to be paying out apart from Viva. Uh, but on the issue of insurance claims, John says the reason insurance companies settle claims out of court is because, of course, it's cheaper for them. If they go to court, they might lose with costs awarded against them and this will cost them more in the long run. And ambulance chasers know this well, uh, says John on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And also, uh, sticking with insurance, uh, another WhatsApp here is saying, I had to claim off my own insurance in 2015 as I skidded in ice 
and had to fix my car I had no choice but to go through my insurance before I claimed my insurance was €275 a year and when my insurance was up for a new my insurance jumped to €1,250 it was my first ever claim of my insurance the repairs to my car was €3,000 and today my insurance is still €860 and I have insurance with them for 40 years and one small claim and I am paying for making that small claim in my own insurance uh, says that person on WhatsApp and I wonder obviously there was some type of loading put on your policy as well but I wonder did you lose your no claims bonus in that particular claim if you didn't have the step back option I wonder did you lose your entire bonus and is that why uh, the insurance went so high as well but yeah I can see your point for making a small claim you are paying the price and still €860 uh, it is uh, a big amount of money to be paying every year uh, on your insurance policy and, and, and as you say you're still paying for that even though you had 40 years with no, no claim whatsoever and then one claim and you, you get the price more or less doubles for you uh, over the course of a year. Anyhow, thank you for sharing. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And your nutritional questions. Annalisa Giselle from the Health Hub in Banning She joins us next. You can uh, touch base with Bernie if you have a question for Annalisa or text or WhatsApp to me and uh, we'll put your questions to Annalisa. A number of them coming in already. We'll get through as many as we can next. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 and just very briefly, the final few comments on Barry Cowan. And this is from a listener who's in favour and supporting Barry Cowan. Alina Mallow thinks that Barry Cowan is getting a very bad time at the moment. He's a decent, respectable man. And she asks, are all the rest of them saints? And for John and Mahan regarding the ants, uh, WhatsApp are here saying that I got ants in my kitchen as well. And I purchased a thing called ant stations. It's in the co-ops around five euro and for two of them and they worked for me uh, there's no mess or anything and the station contains gel and it worked for me so hopefully that will help you out there uh, to John and Mahan and also on regarding the issue of people getting money back for their insurance if the car wasn't used during lockdown well many insurance companies are giving back uh, money on the presumption that the car wasn't used that much over lockdown the FBD another person here says they're giving back vouchers I got one for 35 euros so thank you for that and keep your text coming now for Annalisa uh, any questions you have nutritional wise 1850 text or WhatsApp 086 103 103 Annalisa Giselle from the Health Hub in Colleague joins me good afternoon to you Annalisa Good afternoon, John Paul. And hope you're keeping well. Uh, a lot of questions in, so I'll get straight through them. And uh, first of all, this is something that you recommended uh, before on the show, and it's to do with toenails. And Pat wants to know, how long can he use grapefruit seed oil for toenails? So he started to use this, Annalisa, about a month ago, and the nails are orange now. So what, what can he, how long should he be using this for? So it takes about six weeks minimum for fingernails to grow from the bed all the way up to the top John Paul and it's the new nail that will be healthy. Toenails even probably take a bit longer than you know fingernails to go grow up. So what you're really looking to see is the new nail bed that's coming up is that healthy and everyone would be very different but you really need to think it's going to take at least two months for the nail to grow back fully healthy and replace the old toenail completely. So if it's not happening, if you can't see any healthy nails starting at the very bed, it may be that the grapefruit seed extract isn't working for you. Um, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, even though it does 
in a lot of people solve the problem. So I'd say bear with it for at least two months. And if it's not working at that stage, it's just unfortunately not going to work for you. OK, Pat also wants to know, what can I use instead of peppermint tabs for flatulence as they can also repeat? Um, again, this is probably a very individual thing, John Paul. Um, my pre- peppermint oil isn't the worst thing, I suppose, really to repeat. So maybe if it does really help you, stick with that. Other options are things like fennel and fenugreek seeds. You can buy these in seed form and you can either chew the seeds or you can take them as a tea or you can buy the ready-made tea. I know that the company um, Heath and Heather, they do a tea called Digestive Seeds and it's a combination of those fennel seeds uh, with fenugreek. I think there's some a few other chamomile in there. So that's very good for kind of a bloaty, windy stomach. Uh, one of the other things that can work as well is the activated charcoal is very good for flatulence. They come in capsules um, and you take the tablets before you eat and shortly again afterwards. But they're more of a nuisance nearly, I would think, because you have to take at least three or four of them and you have to remember to take them afterwards again. So I think unless the peppermint is causing you serious discomfort, stick with that. It's probably the most effective. Okay, and Nora wants to know, what would you recommend for varicose eczema? Now, the skin on my shin, she says, is very red. It's very itchy and angry looking. Any advice? Eczema is always a tough nut to crack. Anything with the skin is, John Paul, and for eczema as well, because it's not just about the skin. It's actually coming from the inside. It's been driven by the immune system on the inside. So with eczema, it's often trying to figure out what is driving the irritation and inflammation, and that can take time. For a lot of people, it's food-based. It may also be environmental-based, so it might be, you know, if you started using a new um, a new washing powder in your machine. Fabric conditioner is one of the worst things, John Paul, because the chemicals of the fabric conditioner remain in the fabric of the clothing and it's worst for anybody who's got sensitive skin. Do not use a fabric conditioner. And there's these wonderful eco balls now that you can put into your washing machine that have got mineral um mineral sort of little balls on the inside that will help attract dirt from clothes. So you don't need to use any washing up powder or any laundry softener afterwards either and I use one at home they're very good now obviously for clothes are filthy filthy dirty you might need something a little bit more severe but for 90% of your washing they'll do the job so removing washing powder often solves the problem and then in terms of topical creams the one that I get the best feedback here on the shop is either the Dr. Dealish Claire healing cream or there's another one by a company called Salcura um, and they do a cream called Zeoderm, or it comes in a spray as well called Derma Spray. And that can be very soothing and take the redness and itch out almost immediately and possibly might even clear it up for you. OK, Miriam Bandon has very bad sciatica. Now, is there anything that she can take for this? Nothing, John Paul. No. And I know you'll find all of these wonderful cures online. They do not work. Sciatica is basically the nerve is trapped. So there's nothing that you can take that will untrap the nerve. Um, even just natural painkillers to be honest aren't going to be enough to hit the severe pain of sciatica I think the best advice is to go to um, a good well qualified chiropractor that might have some success in helping release that trapped nerve Um, you could take a natural anti-inflammatory like turmeric um, or boswellia and they, the, the one of the great ones actually is um, by a company called Stalgar, called Stalgar 7. There's five different natural anti-inflammatories in there, and then there's two components that are good for joints. And these natural remedies will help with the inflammation, but they take time to work. So for sciatica, the, you know, the success rate is low, 
but and it, it will take a good bit of time before you might notice any benefits. So I'd suggest finding a very good physiotherapist or chiropractor. Okay, and Mary is in Blarney now. Is there anything that she can use or put on her scalp for thinning hair? No, and again, this is another one. Don't waste your money on expensive shampoos for thinning hair. Once your hair has come out of the fo- hair follicle, actually, John Paul, it's mostly dead. So keeping it healthy really is a matter of feeding it from the inside. Um, all these shampoos can make it maybe look a little bit thinner or they might, you know, make it a better con- look in better condition, but they're not actually going to encourage more growth. So don't spend lots of money on a shampoo. One of the best ones in terms of customer feedback is a supplement called Norcrin. It's spelled N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. Um, and you need to take it for about three months, really, before you'll know it's working. And again, it doesn't work for everybody, but actually, on the whole, it seems to work really well for thinning hair. So if you feel it's falling out and not growing back, that's the best supplement. And another one then that's great for improving the quality of your hair. So this is great for thickness. Um, it's not going to increase the amount of hairs on your head, but it'll increase the quality of your hair so it'll look thicker. And that's biotin. And Salgar do a very high strength biotin. 5,000 milligrams and again it's going to take 6 to 8 weeks minimum before you notice any benefit because it's going to take time for the hair to grow out of the follicle. Okay and on that another question from uh, Diren who's asking uh, zinc, is zinc good for your hair? She heard before that taking zinc supplements was good for hair. Zinc can help for sure John Paul and it also can help with skin problems. It's also a great one for the immune system. So if the reason that your hair is at poor quality is because you're zinc deficient, then it will definitely help. And if you buy any of the health supplements in a health shop, most of them will have zinc in there anyway for that reason, just to make you sure you're not deficient. So it certainly, it should be in all the good health hair care supplements, so you could try it. But I think from just my own experience, when your hair has fallen out and is not coming back, often can be for hormonal reasons or stress reasons. This Norquin one, it seems to be some kind of a protein a marine protein that can kickstart dormant follicles to regrowing again. So in terms of, of um, even though it's an expensive one, it's definitely the most effective. Okay, and Margaret is on uh, and she's wondering if you could recommend something for constipation other than seeds like flax or anything like that because from her experience, it seems to have made things way worse for her. She does drink a lot of water. So any advice for Margaret? So constipation, um, John Paul, would be people call constipation different things. I mean, some people would say constipation is if they have a very painful and have to strain for their bowel movement. But that's if they don't if they don't have a bowel movement in three days, they may not consider that constipation. I would say that anybody who doesn't have at least one bowel movement a day and that's fairly easy to pass is suffering from constipation. So the first thing you look at is, is there enough fibre in the diet and enough water and a bit of exercise? And if you're ticking all those boxes saying, yes, I've got enough of all of those in my diet, it's actually probably something that you're eating. So a lot of people don't realise that it's actually like irritable bowel um, syndrome, except it's more, more people who have got IBS it's IBS constipation rather than IBS diarrhea. So have a look at the different foods that you're eating or consider doing a food intolerance test. This would be if your constipation is sort of more or less lifelong. If it's only something that's happened recently, it might be down to some medication you've had to take or a change in your diet. A probiotic is always good to get you over that hump. There's another natural laxative that I sell a lot of in the shop here as well, and it's called um, it's called aloe vera complex. It used to be called colax, C-O-L-A-X, but they've just changed the name of it. And this is a combination of prune extract, magnesium and aloe vera. And that's very gentle. It's something you can take at night. 
um, and it should work by the morning. But I think in terms of if 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 you know if you're if your diet is good and you're exercising and in plenty of water, take a look and make sure it's nothing that you're eating because for some people it's as simple as cutting that food out and it solves all the problems. Okay, and very finally uh, for today, Annalisa, a person here says, I have tinnitus since the 8th of May uh, this year and it is humming, but it's a humming sound in the back of my head. They're saying not in the ears. Could you recommend anything? So tinnitus is one of the most difficult things and the most frustrating things for people to suffer from. And it's often caused by a virus um, that affects the inner ear. Uh, it's related actually to the flu virus and sometimes it's, it's the vertigo virus that causes that causes it. And what happens is that the little canals that are responsible for our balance and sound transfer become inflamed. So you get a humming sound. One of the supplements that I have found works well for that is by a company called Nature's Plus and it's called Age Loss Hearing Support. It's a combination of lots of different things that are designed to address any inflammation of the inner ear. And I'd say it's probably about 50% successful, John Paul. Certainly the humming one is easier to get a handle of than the whooshy one. So a lot of people hear this kind of whoosh going through their ears. And I have to say nothing has ever been very successful against that. But it's worth trying the other one. I'd say do it for two months. And if you've had no benefit after two months, unfortunately, it's probably not going to work for you. Okay, well, best of luck with that. And Annalise, as always, mind of information. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Chat to you next week. That's Annalise Giselle there joining us from the Health Hub in Balancolic, located across the way from the cinema in Balancolic. And if you missed anything that Annalise has recommended this afternoon, you can check it out later this afternoon on our website. Go to c103.ie, click it on air and click on podcast. I'll chat to you tomorrow from 10 with Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy the remainder of your Monday afternoon. Stay safe. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.